Good morning. Welcome, welcome. Glad you're here. I know it's a family Sunday. We've got kids in the room. Glad you are here. My name is Clay Thomas. I'm the worship pastor here. Uh, I'm so excited, to, I'm so excited to be with you this morning. I need to apologize. I've got kind of a sickness over the weekend, so uh, first service experienced some awkward silence by me drinking water. It's just me trying to clear my throat. Um, but we're going we're gonna to carry on through this service whether I can talk or not, all right? Holy Spirit's going to intervene. We'll see what happens. But glad you're here. Kids, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, follow along on your notes for kids page, and we'll kind of update you on that throughout the service as well. But I have some kids of my own. I have Griffin, who is a three-year-old, and Ford, who is a two-year-old. These boys are so much fun. They keep me on my toes all the time. I'll walk in, coming back from work, I'll walk through the door, and my two-year-old will always come up to me and he'll say, go. I'm like, good to see you too, huh? He'll say, go, go hide. You know, he wants to play hide and go seek. And I'm like, okay, next time say go hide. That makes me feel a little better than just go. But, uh, and so I'll say, all right, I'll go hide. And, uh, and he'll go count to 10 or, or at least what's 10 in his mo- two-year-old mind. And then I'll go hide and he'll try and come find me. And I mean, there's some days, parents, you know this, where you'd much rather say, hey, how about you go hide for like an hour, right? <laughs> but uh, most days I try and, you know, play hide and go seek with my boys. And I remember teaching this game to Griffin, my oldest, uh, maybe a year ago, and uh, I'm, I'm telling him, hey, you're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count to 10, you're going to go hide, and I'm going to try and find you, okay? And he's like, all right, he's so excited. He, always gets, he always gets so excited when I teach him, like, new games or whatever, and, uh, and so I count to 10 in the living room, and I say, ready or not, here I come, and I start walking down the hallway, and not even five seconds into walking, I hear a, <laughs> I'm like, okay, he's in his bedroom, and so I walk into his bedroom, and right when I walk in, he goes, right here, <laughs> so I'm like, dude, you don't understand, How do you, it's my fault, it's dad's fault, let, let me explain this again, right, and I tell him, like, you don't want me to find you, so when you go hide, be quiet, be silent, you don't want me to find you, okay, and I was like, and he's just, okay, okay, and, uh, and so we go, we go in the living room, and I say, all right, I'm going to count to 10, you go hide, so I count to 10, I say, ready or not, here I come, I start walking down the hallway, I don't hear anything. Going to the bathroom, I don't see him, I don't hear him. Going to our bedroom, I don't see him, I don't hear him. And I go into his bedroom, and I'm like, man, Griffin, you're doing such a good job at being quiet and silent. I can't find you. And he goes, thanks. He's <laughs> under a blanket like five feet away from me. And I'm like, we'll get there, we'll get there. But I, I love, I love my boys, and I love teaching them new things. Uh, I just, I get excited thinking about as they get older and older and the more they're able to comprehend and the more they can communicate, uh, just being able to teach them things. Like, I want to do life with them, you know? Like, if you're a parent, you have a kid, you feel the same way. You want to know everything that's going on with your kid. You want to know how they're doing at school. You want to know what their relationships are like. You, as they're developing this personality, you want to know how they're coming across to people. Like, you just want to be so interactive in your kids' lives. Some of us are, are a little too interactive and kind of do this little helicopter thing over. But hey, that's all right. It's because of love. Like, you want to be all over your kid. You want to know everything about them. I, I want to teach my boys um, just how to go about life. I want them to, I want to raise them up to be godly young men and um, and, and the hard thing for me to accept is that they're going to kind of determine my relationship with them, right? Like, I'm constantly going to love them. There's nothing they can do that 
would cause me to love them less. I am constantly going to want to know them and, and, and love them and, and just interact with them in every aspect of life. When they go through pain, I want to go through pain with them. Like when they're experiencing joy, I want to be right there by their side experiencing joy with them. I want to know everything that's going on with my boys. But they don't have to accept any of that kind of love and wisdom or guidance from me. They can kind of determine, okay, I'll, I'll accept some of this. I'll follow what dad's saying here, but they're, they're going to be the ones who decides at what time they're going to accept that or what time they're going to follow that or what time they're even going to truly listen to me. They have the ability to not listen to me. They can go through life and just reject me if they want. And if they do that, it's going to hurt, but that still won't change my love for them and I'm still going to pursue them and I still want that relationship with them. I want them to get to the point where they're leaning on me for things. They're gaining uh, insight into how to go about things, learning from my mistakes, whatever it may be. And the thing is, our Father, our Heavenly Father, He loves us. Like, like I, I started understanding more about God when I, had, when I had kids because it's like I've got this love for these two boys now and it's showing me the love that God has for me, this unconditional love, this reckless love that's always pursuing me, going out of its way to pursue me. Our Father loves us this way, and, and for those who have put faith and trust in Jesus, we are adopted into this family. We become the sons and the daughters of this Father. And this Father wants this kind of relationship with us. Nothing we can do can take away that kind of love he has for us. And so as believers in Jesus, we have the ability to decide, well, maybe I want God to really control this part of my life, but I'm, I'm kind of holding on to this. Or, or maybe I'm going through this, this experience, and I know what God's wanting me to do. He wants me to follow him and do this and, and honor him and glorify him through this, but I kind of want to do this myself. We have the ability to kind of dictate how we follow God. He loves us, but he doesn't force this following of him throughout our lives. And we're going to look at Peter, this disciple of Jesus, and really three kind of different stories of Peter that we find in the Gospels. And, uh, and through digging through Peter's life and his stories, we're going to see how he follows Jesus. We'll see, uh, we'll see kind of denial at times. We'll kind of see some faults of his. Uh, we'll see, um, we'll even see him just immediately responding to Jesus. Um, but before we do, before we get into this, we have to know one thing about our Father, and it's that he doesn't just love us, but he has this plan for us. Right? Like, he's a father who's in, intentional and considerate of our future, and he wants the best thing for us. And I think Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. It's just saying, man, God wants us to follow him because he's this father who knows what's best for us. So as we dig through Peter here, and his story, and kind of his interactions with Jesus, hopefully we can learn to follow God's plan 
for our lives and see the benefit of that. So if you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, you have a Bible app, you can scroll there. Or if you don't like any of those two methods, we'll just throw it up on the screen for you. All right. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 16. It says this, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, he being Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Look at 19. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. We have these fishermen who are fishing, who are mending their nets. They're doing what their occupation is, and they immediately drop everything, and they follow Jesus. We even have this instance of Matthew. In Matthew 9, it says, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. Max, this, or Max, <laughs> Matthew, this tax collector, he's, uh, he, he's running this tax booth, and he immediately leaves everything and follows Jesus. These fishermen leave everything, even family. They left their dad to run everything just to follow Jesus. Now, I, I think it's, it's pretty remarkable about this scene. Let's just focus on the fishermen for a bit. It's pretty remarkable about this scene because um, what, these, what these fishermen are doing, right? Um, they're fishing, they're doing some aspect of fishing, whether it's actually fishing, casting out nets, whether it's cleaning up their nets, whether it's pulling their boat onto the shore. They're doing what their occupation is. And, and for a lot of us, we kind of identify with what we do. You, you know what the most common question is when you're meeting someone? You either ask them or they ask you, what do you do for a living? Right? We ask that question because we identify who they are when they answer that. Right? We, we can recognize what they do when they answer that. And then we see them that way. I'm a, I'm a banker. A lot of us will put our identity and root ourselves in what we do. I'm a banker. I'm a teacher. I'm a contractor. I'm a, I'm a student. We find our identity in what we do. And so I think it's even remar- it's so remarkable and more significant that these fishermen identify themselves as fishermen, people recognize them as fishermen, and they drop their identity in order to follow Jesus. That's a bold move, right? Because I feel like these, these disciples here, they, they're, they're not worried about what they're going to do with their stuff, with their nets, their boats. Maybe they even just caught some fish, and they have to get this fish cleaned and refrigerated, I don't know, probably not refrigerated back then, but whatever, I don't know. But they've got to do their job and their task in order to be good fishermen. Their dad's on the boat helping, and, and they just leave all of that, kind of disregarding any hesitation out there that would hinder them from following Christ. That's incredible. They're dropping their identity in order to follow Jesus. Now, I, I think it's pretty significant that, that they would do this because Honestly, like if you came up to me and you're like, hey, Clay, follow me, I'd probably kind of laugh. I'd probably be like, why? Or what are you about to do to me, right? Because I feel like you'd play a prank on me. I'd I'd interrogate you for a bit. If you were like, hey, Clay, follow me, let's go eat at Qdoba, I'd be like, I surrender. (laughs) 
that manna from heaven, that in burrito form, that is so good. Of course I will follow. But there's got to be some, some kind of recognition on the disciples' part of who's calling them to follow Jesus. And not just a recognition, but their heart kind of has to be in a, in a place of surrender over to this one who's calling them to leave their identity, leave who they are, leave what they're doing in order to follow Jesus. They have this heart in a place of surrender, and they have this, this mindset of a recognition of who they're, they're following here, this Jesus. There's something more to them than just some man calling them to follow. And I think if, if we want to follow Jesus like that, because I really do. Like, I read the story and I'm like, man, I wish like when God would call on me to do something or say something, I would immediately respond. But I feel like I don't. I feel like I have these, these things in my life where um, I would question, right? Like I would I'd say, well, what is this going to cost me here? How much time is this going to take? Or what am, I, what am I really committing myself to? In order for me to immediately follow, get to a point where I'm immediately following Jesus, the moment he calls, he calls me to follow, and whatever that may look like, I need to ask God to give me a heart first that's like these disciples. Give me a heart that's in a place of surrender. And then the other side of it is, I need to ask God for a mind that's, that's thinking about God interacting with me. Right? Because he's a father who loves his children Therefore, a father wants to interact with his children. I should be expecting, maybe anticipating God to interact with his son, to follow him. So I need to get to this point where I have a a right heart that's in this posture of surrender and then the right mind that's set on expecting God to call on me. So I stop asking the question of, well, why? Or what is this going to cost me? What am I committing to here? I don't have, I don't have time, Lord, to try and justify some kind of response. But instead, my heart and my mind are lined up, and I'm saying, yes, send me. I'll go, right? You say, go, I go. You say, speak, I'm going to speak. I don't know what I'm going to speak, but you're going to speak through me, right? You say, feed him. I'm going to go feed him instantly. You say, clothe her. I'm going to go give her my jacket, right? You say, follow. I say, follow. How do I get to that point? By having this right heart and right mind, expecting my father who loves me to interact with me, to call on me, to follow. You will experience your father trying to interact with you. And if you try and hold on to this identity of yours, you will miss out on what God's plan is for you. You're going to not listen, or maybe you'll hear it and kind of think, okay, that could be God, or it could be heartburn, I don't know. You may think, okay, this could be God calling me to do it, but if you're holding on to some identity of yourself rather than the identity rooted in Christ then you may even listen and not respond. You may reject whatever God is saying and try and justify it by some excuse. I don't have time. God, you can, you can call on somebody else. I, I don't have the ability to commit to it. I don't have the financial resources to give towards that. I'm not going to follow because I'm kind of holding on to, to this part of my life, this, this self. 
We've got to get to a point where God's plan for our life is exactly what we want. Because it's so much better than what we can imagine, right? He's past, present, and future. We can't see beyond our own present state. So God's plan is what we want. Therefore, we have to anticipate God's calling in our lives with a heart of surrender. I have a friend. <coughs> Excuse me. That was really loud. I have a friend, uh, and they did not give me permission to use their name. Um, I wish they did, but they'd say no anyways, because uh, they're very humble. But um, she, is, uh, she shares these stories a lot about God putting somebody on her heart to reach out to, or uh, God enlightening her mind with this idea, and the timing of it is just incredible, and it works, and it's just so, you see these incredible, glorious ripple effects taking place of God moving, and God using, God restoring, and God providing, and it's amazing, and I love listening to her share these stories, and I love seeing how Wow, God, like that's incredible how you worked and you moved and you, you used her to do it. And this plan you had, it's now coming into light when we didn't see it before. And I, I just love hearing about that. And, and really, in my friend, what I see is she has this heart that's kind of in this state of surrender. And she has this expectation that God's going to interact with her. So when she, she has that person placed on her mind, she doesn't say, hmm, well, I've got to finish what I'm doing first, and then I'll kind of get back to that. No, she immediately responds. She has this posture of saying, yes, send me, I'll go. Yes, I'll speak. Yes, I will, I will feed him. Yes, I will clothe her. I will follow you, Lord. And it's incredible the way God uses her for the kingdom. I love it. We have to have a heart that's in surrender, and we have to be anticipating God to work and move and interact with us. Now, Peter, he was Simon in this story, Simon Peter. Immediately followed Christ. That was incredible to see. But what I love about Peter is that he is so human, and I can relate to that very well because I'm very human, and I make mistakes, and I'm so imperfect. And so what we're going to look at is Peter kind of interacting and or actually like following Jesus, but kind of in a different place. Uh, look at Mark 14. Flip over there. We're going to start in verse 54. It says this, And Peter had followed him, him being Jesus, at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. And then jump to 66. It says, And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter... Warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with this Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. Now, it's easy to see Peter's flaws here, and we'll get to that. But I think it's remarkable that these people recognize Peter as a Christ follower. 
Like, let's not ignore that whatsoever by focusing on his faults. He has lived his life this way when he comes in contact with Jesus, that people recognize that he is a follower of Christ. That's a question we always need to ask ourselves. The people I'm surrounded by, the people I interact with, do they recognize me as a follower of Christ? Like we, what, we just went through this series called Neighboring, and uh, we, we really tried to be active in this fulfillment of God's command to love your neighbor as yourself, right? So we've been getting to know our neighbors. It was a three-week series, and I know the series is over. That doesn't mean you should stop loving your neighbors or getting to know your neighbors. Just because the series ends doesn't mean we should end that relationship. But as we continue on loving our neighbors and getting to know them and building these relationships, something we've got to consider and ask ourselves is, do they recognize me, their neighbor, as a follower of Christ? Do they see me as a follower of Christ. I went to this, uh, this trip uh, to Israel about three years ago, and it was like a study abroad, three-week trip uh, through my school, and I, uh, I had to take all these quizzes and tests, and so it was kind of hard. I didn't just get to sit back and enjoy it. I was like writing down with all these notes, and there's about 30 of us, and all the local people there, they easily could recognize us. Why? Not just because of what we're wearing, <laughs> but they easily could recognize us because there's 30 of us all huddled together, and then one or two professors up front, and we're just following them everywhere we go, just writing down, taking pictures, you know, like it was so easily, easy to pinpoint us out as this tour group because of how we were following as a group, following this professor as he's teaching us and showing us all these incredible things. We were so easily recognized. And that's, that's something we have to figure out. People will recognize you based off of who you follow or what you follow. So I'm asking us, do people recognize us as followers of Jesus? Are we living our life, the relationships we're, we're building with people? Are we doing it intentionally in a way that's, that's recognizable? As Jesus, right? If our identity is rooted in Christ, then people shouldn't see clay anymore. They should see, they should see Jesus. Now, Peter's response here, throw up that scripture one more time. Peter's response here is, uh, is, is a little hard, but it's very relatable, right? From the get-go, we see Peter following Jesus from a distance, this doesn't really match up with what we read earlier about he just drops his nets and follows Jesus immediately. No, we kind of see some shame in here. Like he's, he's kind of reserved. He's still following Jesus, but he's kind of in the shadows, right? He doesn't want people to recognize Jesus and when they or recognize him as a follower of Jesus. And when they do recognize him, what does he do? He, he denies it. You know what I see here? Kids, hear me out on this because this is what I felt constantly in school and I still kind of deal with this as well. I want to be accepted so bad, right? Like I'm sure you're in school and you're just like, yeah, I'm getting some head nods. You know it, come on. I want to be accepted so bad. I want just my, my classmates to like me. I want people to like me. I want to just get along with others. I, in school, I just wanted everyone to think I was funny and cool, right? They wanted to be around me. I wanted to be accepted by them. 
I wasn't necessarily concerned with being recognized as a Christ follower. I wanted to just be recognized. And so something we see here with Peter is he gets to this point where, yes, he's a Christ follower, but at this point of his life right here, in this situation, he reserves himself because he just wants to be accepted by these people. He's almost a little fearful of what it would cost him to be a Christ follower in this moment. And see, salvation is free, right? Like, Christ did everything. We put our faith and trust in Jesus on what he did for us on the cross. It won't cost you a thing. It's free. But following Jesus, that's going to cost us something. That's going to cost us acceptance from others. That may even cost us, I don't know what God's plan is for my life, but it may even cost me my life. He may ask me, follow me. And I want you to lay down your life in this situation for my name, for my kingdom. And I hope and pray that I'm in this place where I can follow Jesus and immediately say, whether it costs me my life or not, immediately say, yes, Lord, whatever, whatever your plan is, use it for your glory. Because my identity is not in self. My identity is rooted in Christ. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. When he calls us to follow him, we have to deny who we are. We have to deny the things we may want in this life. If it doesn't match up with Christ and what he's calling us to do, with his plan for our lives, then we really don't want it. Because God is our Father and He knows, just like I know what's best for my kids, I want them to follow me and do these things because I know what's best. I'm saying, no, don't go down that road. I know where that leads. Please just trust me. Follow me, Griffin. Follow me forward. Trust me in this. Take this wisdom in at this moment. Make this decision at this moment. I know what's best for them at this moment. So that's something we have to trust in Jesus, that we've got to deny ourselves trusting in Him that we don't know what's best for us, the Father does. Now we're going to close with this. It's the last story of Peter. Following Jesus is a struggle, right? We see Peter struggling in this. But there's another, another piece of passage I want to dig through. Matthew 14, starting in verse 25. It says this, And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Look at 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I picture Peter being like, Okay, Jesus, if that is you, tell me to come out on the water. And then Jesus says, Come. And he's like, Oh, dang it. What did I get myself into, right? So he says, Come. So Peter's like getting out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. It's a very common passage. Right? You probably heard it before. Probably heard it taught before. You probably heard us singing about it sometimes. I feel like all Hillsong songs have some kind of reference to ocean, right? And calling out on the water. So 
you, you've, you're familiar with this more than likely. It's, it's great that, that Peter puts his faith in Jesus and steps out of the boat. He takes that step, trusting in him. Yes, we need to trust and follow Jesus. But he starts sinking. He starts struggling with his faith in Jesus. He starts struggling with following Jesus. And I think the most remarkable thing about this story is really not what takes place here, but what takes place afterwards. They get to the other side. They get to the other side of the sea. They get on land. You know what's happening? They're all getting out of the boat because they're going to go do some ministry. They're going to this town, and they're gathering all the sick people. They're gathering all the sinners, all the people who need healing, and they're bringing them to Jesus. And Jesus is touching them and, and, and healing and, and sharing about who he is. They're doing ministry. They're doing life. They're still, they're still going forward. And, and I can just picture this happening, right? Peter's in the boat, probably the, the last one out, soaking wet, kind of embarrassing what just happened. All his friends saw that he didn't follow Jesus. He wasn't trusting fully in him. He struggled, and it was well known to everyone. Maybe some disciples were putting their arms around him saying, it's all right, man. As they're getting out of the boat, I don't, I don't, see, I, I don't see Jesus turning to Peter and saying, hey, why don't you just stay here? Kind of think about what you did. Get right, you know, with the Lord. And then once you feel like you're you're at this place uh, of rightness, come join us. I don't see Jesus doing that because what we see is actually all the disciples go and gather, including Peter, who's soaking wet, soaking wet from his struggles, soaking wet from his doubt, soaking wet from his sin. And he's going, and, and Jesus is saying, get out of the boat, let's go, follow me. Even though you struggled, Follow me. Continue to follow me. And that is what God's plan for our lives is. Even when we struggle to continue following. We don't want to stay in this state of despair and depressed because of our sins that we're dealing with. No, we put that on the cross. Christ already paid for that. We trust that he has redeemed us from that. And even though we're soaking wet in our struggles, we get out of the boat and we follow Jesus because he's still calling us to follow. He's still calling us to, to go, to speak, to clothe, to feed. Whatever his plan is for our life, despite our struggles, he still calls us to follow. So even when you feel the weight and the guilt of your sin and your struggles, don't allow it to keep you from moving forward and following Jesus. We like to just remind ourselves of it, and it keeps us still, but that's not what God wants. God is calling us to follow. Why? Because he loves us. He has a plan for us. That Father's love is just unexplainable. I, I can't imagine, wait, you love me the same amount even though I just totally messed up, even though I just totally rejected what you wanted to do with me, what you said to me, how you wanted me to live in this moment? He loves us unconditionally and he's calling us to still follow because we are his. We are the sons and daughters of of God for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus and what he has done for us. Let's stand. And as we stand, think about, think about the steps you can take.
to follow Jesus. Pray for a right heart and a right mind that's focused on surrendering over to God and expecting him to call on you, expecting him to move in your life, to communicate. And know that you're probably going to struggle because you're human. But even when you do, that's on the cross, continue to follow Jesus. This next week, we're going to have a a kids FAQ panel. All these Live Oak kids and teenagers have submitted these questions and, uh, and we're going to do our best to just dig through them and answer them. And the cool thing about it is uh, some of these questions, adults have these same questions, right? We're digging through it together. And so it's going to be another family Sunday. Kindergarten through fifth grade will be joining us then as well. Um, but come back for that as we dig through these FAQs, these, these questions that these, these kids have um, as we dig through it together. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love. God, we don't deserve it. There's nothing we, we have done to earn it. Thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for Jesus and what you did for us on the cross. God, we, we want to follow you, and we want your plan for our lives. God, we need a little help with that because we are selfish, and we don't always have this right mindset to follow So God, I I ask that you give us a heart that's in a place of surrender and give us a mind that's expecting you to communicate with us so when you do, we just respond in faith. We act in faith. God, give us that kind of heart and give us that kind of mind to follow you. Lord, when when we stumble, when we struggle, God, remind us of the cross and what that covers, how your grace is sufficient for us. And let that be nailed to the cross as we continue to follow you, even though we may be soaking wet in our sin and soaking wet in our struggles. Get us out of the state of despair and help us find joy in your grace to follow you. God, help us neighbor well. Help us interact well with others and be so thoughtful of you and the identity we have in you that people recognize your son Jesus in us. We need help, Lord, so we're asking for it. In Christ's name I pray, amen. We'll see you next week. You're the star.